Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. I am Sean, joined as always by my brother Ian. But Ian, we are not alone. We have a guest. Introduce the, the friend. What's up, everybody? Excited to be back. Um, we are excited to officially announce our second guest in podcast history. It is Stanley Cup champion and current Red Deer Rebels assistant coach, Ryan Colville. Welcome to the show, my man. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Just living the dream, living the dream. Uh, we're, we're excited to have you here. We know um, it's sort of a weird time for you right now uh, with you know the pandemic going on and it being the offseason anyway. Um, so what's going on? Where are you right now? I'm in Toronto right now, just uh, kind of getting through it here for now, and then I'm going to head back out west uh, in a little bit here. But, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely been an odd off season, but, you know, it's uh, just kind of making your way through it. Well, that's good. I mean, you know, again, I mean, I think everyone's kind of trying to do um, do the best they can. But, but again, I mean, for everyone out there, as we mentioned in the intro, uh, Ryan is currently with the WHL's Red Deer Rebels. Um, he's been with the team for three seasons. Two seasons. Two seasons. <laughs> and this is – and parts, parts of one, obviously. Um, and we wanted to talk to him a little bit about his current gig with the Rebels um, – wanted to talk about his experience in the NHL, winning a Stanley Cup, and all that sort of good stuff. Um, so we're, we're excited to bring that to you all. So Ryan, have you, yeah. ever been, have you ever been interviewed before? I have. I've, you know, the people in Red Deer hear me on the radio all the time. So, you know, I'm kind of... You're a regular on the radio? Oh, yeah. Pre-game shows, post-game, all that kind of stuff. That's incredible. <laughs> well, then you're, you'll be tailor-made for this, but this is not going to be like an interview you've ever had before. So yeah. <laughs> let's a little bit longer, uh, yeah, a little bit, just a little bit longer. So let's start closer to the beginning here. Let's get a little bit of background on you. So you obviously work in sports. What got you into sports in the first place? And, and if I can ask, was it something that you really strive to, to accomplish? Was it, was it your goal or was it something you just kind of fell into organically? Um, you know, I mean, obviously like most people growing up in Canada, you want to, um, play so i mean just growing up you know i grew up playing hockey and um you know in the toronto area played some junior as i'd like to think i was pretty good um you know and then from there most people don't make it so you kind of got to find another way if you want to stay in the sport so you know kind of i got lucky enough to catch some breaks along the way and you know kind of ended up where i am so i think you know you and i go back a little bit of a ways um so I think as we've talked about before, when you stopped playing and where, where, sorry, where were you playing? Where were you playing in the Toronto area? What team were you playing for? Uh, I played a bunch of junior teams. So I, I grew up kind of in the Humber Valley Sharks and then Toronto Red Wings. Yes. So that, 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 that whole GTHL scene. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, then I, and then I made my way in the junior um, and, you know, I mean, growing up, I, on my mind, I, it was always D1. Like, I mean, I wanted to go D1. My dad played Division One at Ohio State. So, um, you know, that was kind of the the focus growing up, you know, in my playing career was I wanted to get to D1. Bit of a um, shameless plug for Ohio State over your left shoulder there. Oh, for sure. Ohio State everywhere around this house. Because, <laughs> I mean, both my parents, my sister played tennis there. So, big Ohio State, really? Ohio State family, yep. So again, as I mentioned, I know, you know, we go back a little bit of a ways. So we've, um, you know, talked about some of this stuff before, but um, when we were sort of talking pre-podcast, you mentioned that you got your start 
in sports in the AFL. That is crazy. Can you tell us that league I hear is just wild? So wait, um, wait, wait, wait. The football league? Yeah, arena yeah. football. Yeah, arena oh. football. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So tell us tell, tell yeah, but tell us some um tell us some of your AFL stories. Did you were you around anyone notable? Um is there anything that jumped out at you? Uh meet anyone that you know that jumps out in any way? Yeah, so I mean when I so when I moved into junior hockey, so I, I was playing minor hockey and I never really had any injuries. And then in junior I started to get all kinds of injuries. So um I think my first year junior, I tore my ACL, um, had surgery. Then eight months later, I retore it, the same one. So I ended up missing about a year and a half. So at the tail end of my rehab for that year and a half, um, you know, my family is from the U.S. Um, my my, my mom's side of the family is from the U.S. So uh, my uncle, that he's a high school football coach back in the day. So one of his friends was the special teams coordinator with the Columbus destroyers in the arena football league. Come on. So when I was rehabbing is kind of in between college and high school, I was kind of in no man's land kind of rehabbing and not playing. So, um, you know, I had the opportunity to go down there and kind of just be like a coaching assistant where, you know, I spot ball boy kind of thing. And I was, I mean, I would have been 19 or 20 at the time and it was fun. You know, it was, you know, when you go down there, it's a, you know, it's a pr- relatively prominent league. They're playing at Nationwide Arena in Columbus. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the, it was kind of my first, you know, dive into the coaching world and being around high profile people and learning how to interact with coaches, learning how to interact with players. So like for me, it was, I mean, it's a super random part of my path and my history, but it was definitely something where, you know, I think I got an way more out of it than I realized at the time. And How long were you there, Ryan? I was there for just one season. So I, was, I went down there, I did the, the um, you know, the, the assistant thing. And um, the, the, it was a big Ohio State coaching staff and ownership group. So, you know, for me, it was uh, Earl Bruce, which is a name that only Ohio State people would know, but he was, he was the head coach of the Buckeyes back in, I think, the 80s and 90s. He was the head coach of the destroyers when i was there and chris spielman was an assistant um jim lachey who played in the nfl for a long time as offensive tackle he was an assistant and uh you know just being around those coaches was an awesome experience and um you know it was different i'm I'm not i mean obviously i follow football i like football i briefly played in high school (laughs) but you know i'm I'm not a football guy so did sean yeah (laughs) so i'm I'm, elementary school man give me a break (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not a football guy. So going down there and just kind of being around football and seeing how it all works, you know, from the inside, it was definitely a really good experience. And, um, you know, I know one of our owners was Joey Galloway. Who yeah. Buckeye, to Ohio State too. Yeah. Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. Big, big Buckeye legend there. He was one of the owners. So at the time he was playing for Dallas Cowboys. So he, um, it's obviously for the NFL, so the arena league runs from February until I don't know, May or June or something. So Joey Galloway off season every day, he'd come in and he'd after practice, he'd put on his Cowboys helmet and he's got his sweats on and he'd run some routes and the destroyers quarterback would throw it to him. And so it was just a pretty cool experience. So you're 20 years old. Yeah. One year in the AFL. One year. <laughs> so 
is is there a gap between your next sports job or is it all right this is what i'm doing this is where i'm going and and, and jump right into it yeah so you know when i was with the destroyers was kind of like a hiatus from hockey just because i was coming off multiple acl tears so i kind of used that time to kind of decide what i want to do moving forward you know obviously I, I wanted to go play d1 um so i decided i think i got an offer from a d3 team in wisconsin so it's called lawrence, lawrence university tiny little liberal arts school up near green bay and uh you know while i was in columbus working for the destroyers i decided to take that opportunity and i went and played d3 ncaa for a couple of years after and then so it was kind of like a college job in between high school college and then it was and then i moved on after that well so because that part's really interesting to me because you know obviously hockey was sort of your passion i know you're a big football guy um you cheer for the wrong teams but you are a big football guy um so after you know things you know you're playing d3 um had a couple knee injuries things like that after all of that sort of went that direction what made you decide to get into coaching and decide to go that route because i believe after you're probably what 24 before you make the next jump and jump into your next your first you know real coaching gig and this is relevant because a lot of kids in canada follow this path right so it's the dream and yeah. then all of a sudden it's not and i'm interested to see where, where this goes yeah no exactly so i mean you know coming off my knee injury i just wasn't sure where i was at physically in terms of playing. So I gave it a go at, in division three for a little while. I think I played about 10 games my first year. And then the second year I played, I don't even know if I played any games. I, I was constantly in the training room getting cortisone shots just to make it through to the next practice. So, you know, it's something that's kind of lingered Brutal. with the knee injury. So about halfway through my second year in Lawrence, um, you know, the decision was kind of made that, Hey, this isn't, this isn't going the right direction. So, um, you know, again, I kind of caught, caught a break through my dad. He was, you know, he, like, like I mentioned before, he played at, at Ohio State. And one of his teammates at Ohio State, his name was Bill Davidge, was the TV color commentator for the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, um, Mr. Colville was, is a beast. Yeah. So, so when I was playing at Lawrence, that, the idea of mo moving to back to Columbus and enrolling and finishing the college at Ohio State and then um, interning with the Blue Jackets as a video coach assistant. So that was kind of a decision that was made in college. Um, so, so kind I, of the dream. You end up going to your, you know, your fall. Yeah. You're not playing, but kind of the dream. Yeah, in a roundabout way. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, you know, you, you kind of end up in the in a spot that a lot of people would want with just kind of out of sheer luck of, of so, who you know. So you didn't choose video. It was just an opportunity that was there. How, how did this, was there a couple options for you that you, you had an opportunity to choose? I could go X, Y, or Z, or was it just like, Hey, we got this opportunity. You can intern in this spot and prove that you can do it. Yeah. They just, you know, the Bill Davidge, who, who's my dad's friend, he, he just said, you know, why don't I talk to the video coach who, at the time was uh, Dan Singleton. He's still there with Columbus and, you know, maybe that's absurd get, that he's still yeah. there. Oh yeah. He's, he's long time blue jacket. <laughs> he's, he's day one to now 
nine coaches, nine. nine coaches he's been under, which is an amazing feat. I mean, he's, he's good at what he does. And obviously coaches, you know, come in and come out and they, you know, all the new ones always like him and keep him around. So it's definitely impressive to have a tenure like that. And especially at that level. Where so what's, so what's that job like? Video coaches. It's an awesome place to learn. So, I mean, I would have been maybe, uh, Man, I don't know what I would maybe 22 when I started with the Blue Jackets. Learning on the job at the NHL level is a, is a dicey game. I yeah. have to say, it's impressive that you were able to uh, to pull that through. But I mean, it's funny though because when you're in video, so so with with the video, obviously, just kind of a real Cliff Notes version of what it is is you know you the video coach is the guy who you know breaks down all the team film. And he's the one who deals with all the film for the, for the playing team, not the, you know, there's, there's different video people for the organization that do Jumbotron stuff. This is the coaching version the the coach in charge of all the team videos. So he's the one who, you know, deals with all the downloading uh, games of, of upcoming opponents, breaking them all down. Clipping. Um, yeah. Yeah. Clipping the, 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 games that you're playing and then so you're, an ex- you're an extension of the, of the scouting staff then of the coaching staff yeah so i like i, right. I the, yeah the, the video coach never did anything with uh prospects right so right, it was always right yeah right. yeah so like yeah it was all you know breaking down video of your team and then who you're going to play and then you know obviously there's putting together meetings and stuff like that so that's kind of the gist of what the what the job entails and you know with that job, you know, you're always learning on the job because it's a, a constantly changing um, technology all the time. And it's, it's hard. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough role. And it's, you know, you got to be up on your technology. You got to be able to adapt all the time to what's changing and bringing in new, new ideas and new technology. And, um, you know, it's a great, you know, and, and, and honestly, it's a great place to learn not only the game, but also the technology side of the game that is getting bigger and bigger each year. So you're in Columbus. Okay. Family around. You went to Ohio state, you know, you're, you're working in the NHL. Like you're in your early twenties, like you're living the dream. Okay. You're psyched. So obviously, you know, it, obviously there was a little bit of a, some coaching I wouldn't say turmoil, but there were some changes that, that happened while you were there. Um, what situation was that like? So when you walked in, could you tell that things may have been off? Were you just so far down on the totem pole that, that you were just doing your best to break in? How did that all look? Yeah, I mean, in Columbus, I think, you know, I was so young and I was so kind of down the, the totem pole, like you said, that you know, you just kind of go day to day and you just adjust to what's around you. And, you know, obviously we, at the time we weren't a great team um, in Columbus. I think it was the kind of tail end of their rough start to a expansion franchise. Um, But, you know, the, it was a good experience because like you just, you get to be around hockey and you get to see how they interact with each other. You get to you know, obviously pick up a lot of their mannerisms and their ideas and different things like that. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's such a good environment to just learn things in and you just kind of like soak it all up when you're there, especially when you're as young as I was and 
you know, all the stuff going on around you with, you know, different coaches and stuff like that, at, especially at that time in Columbus, you just kind of just roll with it. It <laughs> just hope you're surviving the next day. I just saw something that I need to bring up. Yeah. Ian, did you know that a 25 year old Ronald Hainsey was on that team <laughs> and that he scored 34 points? How old is this guy? He's Ron Hainsey. Hainsey. He's, he's got to be 50 at this point. No, it's, it is amazing. It's like, to think that he was 25. Like, I, it seems, there seems like a world where Ron Hainsey could never be 25. No, it's, it's amazing because you're just, like, Ron Hainsey's one of those guys where if I think back to that time, I'm not sure I would have picked him out to last as long as he did. But all the credit to him, he's just – he's been a solid player for so long. But, yeah, I mean – He's a personal Sean favorite. So you're oh, you got another. Yeah. You got, a, you got another. Loves him. Well, listen, I don't love him on the top pair of my on my uh, of my team. I don't love that. I don't love him flicking the puck out and not actually making it a, an exit pass. But, but you have Brian Burrard on that team too. Like you got Sergey Fedorov there, Modine, a young Unreal Rick Nash. Jerseys. Yeah. Unreal jerseys. That's got to be yeah. you know you're what you're a couple years older than Nash at that point. Like that's got to be a unique experience for you. Oh, it was. I mean, and when I was at the Blue Jackets, I mean, I was relatively sequestered away from the players. I mean, I saw them around, and but I wasn't dealing with the players as much in Columbus as I as I would later on. Um, so Columbus, for me, was, was a lot more of just a breaking in point and meeting the coaches and, under, and working under the coaches and learning how they do things and, and just kind of being more of an observer than a doer <laughs> where you just kind of see everything that's going on, see how everything works, and you just soak it all up. So before we continue on this path, I just have to say, since Sean brought up the roster, you guys had a guy in your team that, you know, guys talk about, you know, guys in the media talk about players that they haven't necessarily given up on, even though, you know, they may be retired or not playing anymore. Nikolai Zherdev was definitely one of those guys. I always assumed, I, I, I just, I assume he's still in the NHL scoring 30 goals because I just believe that's what he was born to do and it should have happened. And I'm it's, disappointed. It's hilarious you bring this up because I have another one. Gil- yeah. Gilbert Brule, I am oh, still yeah. convinced, can play hockey. There was about three first-round picks in a row in Columbus where I think it was Brule, Zherdev, and then uh, Picard. Yes. All, all three were kind of like in that 5 to 10 overall range. And, and, you know, I mean, they had varying success, but they didn't. But none of them kind of lived up to that. And yet Jason Chimera is finishing picks. fifth in, in scoring that year. So yeah. you're there, right? We're, we're going to go to yeah. coaching here. Yep. When you get there, is is Gallant there or is Hitch there? So when I first got there, Jared Gallant was the coach. And honestly, and you know, again, I mean, I was my early. You're 20s green. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, I mean, for him, it was more just, you know, it was Dan Singleton, the video coach, going to him and saying, "Hey, I want to bring in somebody who's going, who can help us, who can help me out a little bit. Um, do you mind?" <laughs> so so then you know, Gallant was just you know he just kind of accepted that I was around and you know, which was awesome. You know, he was, he was, you know, it was great to be around and, and see how everything was done. And he was great, great to me. Um, but you know, I, de- it definitely wasn't one of those things where, you know, he was the guy that hired me or anything like that. He was, he just accepted that I was going to be there and kind of he be accepted in your existence. Exactly. <laughs> so, so you, so Gallant is there, Gallant's there. And then yeah. midway through, they bring in Hitch. Yeah. So it's Jack Adams for Jack Adams. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so Gallant was there, um, you know, and then we had, I mean, we had 
touchdown teams my, the entire time I was there. So about halfway through my, I think I was there for three seasons, about halfway through that, um, Galant got fired and then they bring in Hitch and then Hitch comes in and, um, you know, and obviously Galant and Hitch are in a little bit different atmosphere, which, you know, I think was, is kind of what you want from a coaching change is to kind of change things up with the, you know, the culture a little bit. So Hitch brought in some different ideas and again, he was same idea, right? He, he, I was already there and I was just kind of that background guy who's, you know, hitting buttons in the computer in the video coach's room. So he, again, he just kind of accepted that I was there and just, you know, but again, he was like, all these guys were, they're great to me. They didn't, you know, they had no issue with me being around and, you know, I got to spend a lot of time, you know, seeing what they did. So on video coaching itself, I, I, I don't consider video coaches or film to be analytics right? This, this isn't no. like we're talking about data and zone entries and puck possession and stuff like that. Like this is, yeah. this is the pure definition of the eye test recorded, right? And yeah, that, that's exactly. how I feel about it. Is, is that kind of your mentality as well? No, exactly. That's exactly what it is. So like, I mean, if, if, if you want to bring in a player, show them the shifts, it's, it's a pure coaching uh, tool. So coach wants to show a player shifts or they want to show them consecutive breakouts or, you know, different things like that. That's, that's the way it's used. And the video coach is the one that kind of puts it all together and puts together pregame meetings, postgame meetings, stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, whether or not they're the ones that <clears throat> show it to the players or not, sometimes it's the assistant coaches, sometimes it's the video coach, but that's, you know, the, the analytics side of it's a little bit different, but I think now, now that we're, you know, 12, 14 years away from when I started, I think the analytics, the video have kind of merged a little bit. Right. A lot, definitely. Yeah, a lot more it's, than it was. Yeah. it's to prove the analytics or vice versa. The analytics exactly. to prove what you're seeing. Cause my, what I was going to go to is that hitch is a more old school mentality than Gallant, right? Just by yep. nature of his age and the eras that he had success in. And so my thinking is, all right, well, anything to do with technology hitch is fucking out. Right. So that, that's where I, that was where my head was going with this. But tell me, is it one of those things that did anything change when that coaching change happened? Or is it just like they were looking for different things, not the manner to which, not the actual, not the manner to which, but the usage rate that you had went up or down? Was it more just they were looking for different things? Yeah, just mostly looking for, I mean, uh, you know, the, I'm not or did, sure. Or did, Hitch, your, did your yeah. mentality change I'm at all? I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure Hitch was old school to the point where he didn't want it. I think he liked it a lot. Um, there's still a lot of requests for different things. And, but I think it was, you know, he's, he, he relies a lot more on, I mean, that's like when you're a video coach, there's, there's different types of coaches. There's coaches that can do it all themselves and they, they've got their, all their stuff and they don't, they'll take what you give them. But then once you give it to them, then they have the knowledge and the experience and the, you know, the ability to clip and, you know, create playlists and show players and all themselves. So they're, they're pretty self sufficient in the video department. And then there's some coaches who love the video. They love to show it, but they don't really know how to do all the steps to right. put it all together. Right. So then you, so then it, it kind of is, I mean, there's, there's work involved with both types of coaches. You know, I feel like Hitch was, Hitch would have been, you know, one that was more of a, you know, I want to show this, this, and this, and this, and then, you know, you put it together and then here, and then you show it to him and he says, it's okay or it's not okay. And then you show it to the team. 
you make so you're in Columbus and you're yeah. there for four seasons. Three. Three seasons. Three seasons, yeah. So after that, you make your big swing and you make your way to Los Angeles to join the Kings. Um, that's quite the change. A uh, couple things we, we want to touch on there. First of all, had you ever been to the West Coast before? Oh, I've just, you know, just as, with some family trips and stuff. I never. Okay, so you yeah. have. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd been to LA like once before I went out there. Yeah. Was it weird being far away from home? Because even, even when you're, you know, in Columbus, like you're still close to family. Or is that just something that never bothered you? Um, I don't think it ever really bothered me. You know, I mean, I, I, before I got to LA, I mean, I lived, I went to college in Wisconsin and Columbus had lived in Cincinnati. So mm. you kind of get used to moving around and, you know, being away from home and adjusting to new environments. So, it, I mean, LA is just a completely different animal because it's so far away, but right. you know, it's a, in, in some ways it's closer because you can just hop on a plane for five hours instead of driving for eight. How did you, how'd you get there, Ryan? Uh, did, were you were you gassed was it one of those things that you had an opportunity to move on how'd that work um so i was i was finished with college so then you know at the end of my college i finished my third year of with the blue jackets and i was kind of looking around um you know at the end of my third year of columbus and it was one of those things where you just kind of like keeping your ear to the ground kind of hearing if you know, is, is there's, there's one video coach per team at, at that time. I, I think now there's about three or four per team, but <laughs> you know, at, at that time there was one per team. So you're looking to see, you know, who's, which teams have had people move on stuff like that. You know, I think, um, I can't remember who else I tried to talk to. I think Florida might've been one where I talked to in the so, so you approached them though. They didn't try and poach you. No, I, yeah, they, they wouldn't have known who I was. Okay. So I mean, they, oh, don't so, sell yourself short, Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> we know who I you was, are, buddy. I was the I was the assistant video coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I mean, nobody knew who I was. I mean, and so what helped me was Dan Singleton was our the head video coach in Columbus, and he's the guy. He knows all the other video coaches around the league, and he kind of was able to give me heads up on stuff that was coming open, and you know, give, and if he, he knew people, to put, you know, put my name in, then they would. So, but that also means he believed in you, right? Like, yeah, he's not sticking yeah. his neck out for a bum. Yeah, no, exactly. No, he was, he was, you know, he was great to me when I was super young working for him and, you know, hitting, hitting the play button on the DVD player back in the day. So, so was it, was it a lateral transition for you, Ryan, or was it, all right, I'm putting this guy's name in the hat for the head video coach. Uh, it was head video coach. I was the only one. So I went from being the assistant uh, video coach in Columbus, to the head video coach in LA, and I didn't have an assistant. <laughs> so I was the only one in LA. Just so you, I, baby. Yeah. So when I moved, I moved out to LA. I got there right when training camp started. So I had to learn when I was kind of on the fly. Um, you know, the the connection between Columbus and LA was they just hired a new coach, Terry Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of waited on video coach for, I don't, I'm not really sure. I can't really explain why they waited, but they just waited. <laughs> so then um, Dan Singleton, he was, um, he knew Jamie Compon, mm-hmm. who was the assistant coach or the, he was a video coach in St. Louis for a long time. And then he moved on to assistant coach in LA. So that was kind of a connection to LA. Now in Winnipeg. Not yet. Jamie is now in Winnipeg. And then, um, you know, I was, that's kind of got me into the door 
And then just one day, Ron Hextall, assistant GM of LA, gives me a call. So it gives me like a little phone interview. Then I got wow. hired and I drove. <laughs> I got in my car and drove for four That's days so out to LA. Epic. So, okay. So, so you, so you're on your way to LA, you're, you're moving up, you're moving up in the world. You're ready to rock. You're psyched again. It's because you're making gradual steps. You have direction. So you walk into the room, uh, nice up and coming roster. I think if our timing's right, you just drafted Drew Doughty. Does that sound right? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the Kings at that time, so this was 2008. So the Kings at that time were definitely in transition period. They weren't good for a while, for quite a while. Um, After Dean, Gretzky. Yeah, Dean Lombardi and his group came in, I think, maybe 2006. So they, they had about two years where they were kind of revamping everything. and bringing He did an of, amazing job. Yeah, he, he put he put together, you know, especially in those early years, he did a, made a lot of moves that paid off down the road. And, um, but it's and some not, that didn't. It's, some not, that didn't. It's not just oh. a young Dowdy. You got Kopitar there at 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wayne Simmons there at twenty. Yeah, and your buddy Frederick Modine joins you a year later. Yeah, so, Frederick Modine. Yeah, there's some there's some stuff going on. So that's got to be that's a that's a different room to walk into. Well, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, when, when I got there in 2008, the year the year before they 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 finished second or I assume second worst in the league because they drafted Dowdy second overall right. after Stamkos. Yeah, and then you know Dowdy obviously great pick <laughs> and then i'd say yeah so then it's kind of that 08 year when i got there when i when i first got out to la i think you know the i i think i remember opening usa today when i got there and mm-hmm. they had us as the lowest odds to win the stanley cup that year so we were obviously not not highly thought of at that point but we but like in that one year you can just see the transition from the year before and then all of a sudden you bring in dowdy wayne simmons was a rookie um, Jonathan Quick came in about halfway through that for my first year. Um, Kopitar was still a young guy. Dustin Brown was still a young guy. So, yeah, we forgot about Brown. We forgot about Brown. Yeah, 100, 101 points there in that second yeah. year. Did yeah. Dowdy come in right away? And because he didn't go back to junior, he came in and played right he away. Came in did, right away. Yeah. Did he come in and you're? Did, did you watch him? Was he one of the guys? Like, was he one of the guys that when you were clipping and you're watching, and you're like, holy shit we have our next stud for the next decade or were you not sure? Was there another guy that you thought that way of? Well, I mean, you, you knew he was going to be good. I mean, you just, you watch him and you, and you know, the way he, the way that he skated, the way that he, he saw the ice and, you know, he's just, he was just different. He had a confidence level to him and that matched his ability. So you knew there was something different about him for any player that's 18, 20 in the NHL. It's not easy. True. So, you know, he, I would say. Damco struggled from what I remember, right? He yeah. was playing with Barry Merrows and. Yeah. And I'm not even sure that Doughty really struggled. I think he just kind of, he was just, he was. A baby. Yeah. He had an 18 year old playing the NHL and he was a very, very good 18 year old defenseman playing the NHL. But, you know, you know, I remember at the time our defense coach was Mark Hardy and there was a lot of individual video and, you know, kind of a lot of teaching that the first couple of years with Drew Doughty. Well, he goes from 27 points to 59 the next year with where he is the second leading scorer on the entire team. So, yeah. well, I mean, the awesome, second year, <laughs> he's so well, good. Well, and then, I mean, you, you figure the second year, he was 19, 20, that, that, and he played in the Olympics the second year. 
right. Vancouver Olympics. He was the youngest guy on the Vancouver Olympic team. Holy shit, you're right. So who, who's one guy that you can look back at and go, you know what? The, not in the coaching. I'm going to get to the coaching angle of this, but a player that you can look back at. Let's, let's focus on the Kings. So you can look back and be like, you know what? I owe a little, little bit to that guy. Whether it be that he stuck up for you in a, in a, in a staff meeting once or he you know, showed you a couple of things. Is there anyone that jumps out to you? Because I, I have a pick, but I don't know if it's going to be right. You mean like a player that, you know, just kinda, that I had a really good relationship with? Yeah, a really good relationship with or helped you along, anything like that. Um, you know, in my first few years, I mean, I, I mean, all of them were good. I mean, we were such a young team at the time. So you um, came and you came, they looked a, at you like you were sort of their age and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I was kind of the guy that came in and was their age, but always hung out with the coaches. And then, you know, I kind of had to earn my, my stripes in terms of getting that respect from the players mm-hmm. quickly. Um, you know, and I, I like to think that I did that, um, you know, definitely as I move forward. I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys that were really good guys there. Um, I think, you know, Jack Johnson early on was a guy that I, you know, I think I had a pretty good relationship with. He's, we had a little bit, a little bit of Michigan, Ohio state banter going, going on between the <laughs> two of us. So yeah, Jack, Jack was a great guy and, um, definitely in those first few years. And Matt Green was always a really nice guy. I was hoping for Ryan Smith. That was going to be the guy that I was hoping about because for two reasons, one, I always loved him as a hockey player. And two, I completely forgot he played on the LA Kings. Yes, well, but he didn't come into my, my second or third year, did he? A second year, yeah, yeah. Second year, yeah, yeah. So he would have been, yeah. You're already the up, guy at that point. You, you, you're already the guy. I was there, yeah. No. <laughs> he came yeah, to I mean, your team. I, what's that? Yeah, he, he came, came to yeah, your I was, team. I was already there. I was, I, was, I was a 25-year-old established coach at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so your, your first uh, year or two, your coach is Terry, right? Terry Murray, yeah. Yeah. And, and he, you guys had that big jump, and then what happened from there? Yeah, so the first year we um, – I don't remember where we finished. I think we did a little bit better than people thought we would the first year. You know, we were super young. We had a lot of rookies on the team. Um, and then second year we made the playoffs kind of out of nowhere. Um, lost, I think, first round of Vancouver. Third year we lost – first round of San Jose. So mm-hmm. you know, it was a steady progression. The team got better each year. Um, Terry Murray was, you know, you know, for me, one of the, definitely one of the more influential people on me because, you know, he was a, a very veteran coach with a very young video coach. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, for me, I, I looked up to him. I learned a lot from him and, um, you know, he was very, you know, he, he helped me along a lot, you know, in terms of those first few years. And, you know, he was a excellent teacher. He, a lot of, so many players on that Kings teams, on those Kings teams developed a ton under Terry from, you know, whether it's Dowdy or Kopitar or Brown or, you know, all those guys, they all developed a ton. And which ended up being the core that won. Yes. No, exactly. Up ahead. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and you need those, those coaches that really excel at, you know, teaching young players and, building young, young core teams. But it is a business at the end of the day. And yeah. they make that huge deal for Mike Richards in the, in the summer of 2010 or early 2011. I can't remember what it was. I'm sure you would know better than I do. And there's a slow start and there's a change. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, so this is the, this is the year that we won in 2012. So it was definitely a weird year. Our, um, so basically it was, we started that year in Europe. Uh, so we, 
And, and, and when you're you started in Europe, yeah, like, we started playing Europe. preseason like hockey grows games or yeah, doing like preseason, Pre- like building the building season. the league. Regular oh season. wow, yeah, that's when they were doing that. Wait, wait, yes. Who did you play? Did you play Philly? No, we played Rangers and Buffalo. Oh, so, but so of, co- of course, Buffalo gets stuck. Let's yeah. grow the game. Let's send Buffalo. Yeah. So it's, but it's like, so teams that go to Europe to start the year typically get off to kind of a slow start. I would we're imagine. For, we're, we're a team from the West Coast. Yeah. So it's a hike. Yeah. So that's a long ways away. So it was one of those things where we, you know, in training camp, we, it ended up being about a three week trip. I think we went to like Kansas City. No, we went back. Kansas City, then Vegas for preseason games, and then we flew from Vegas to Germany. Okay, pause, pause, pause. Yeah. Pause. One, was Vegas any fun being with an NHL team? That's number one. Number two, when you guys flew from Vegas to Germany, were you on a charter? Because you're going to have a lot of people that aren't feeling bad for your slow start. Well, and number three, just to clarify, were you with the team? On the trip? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so back to Ian's questions. Yeah, so – Vegas, we, every year that I was with the Kings, and I think, you know, up until the Golden Knights came in the league, it was always Colorado, L.A. Call, they call it the Frozen Fury preseason game. It was always, you go play, you stay at MGM Grand, you play at the MGM Grand Garden Arena, and it was just, it was a big deal for, you know, the two teams. It was a big preseason game. Sounds like a terrible time, if I'm being yeah, honest. Yeah, so, yeah, so, but I mean, like, I mean, you're going there and it's still work. I mean, as much fun as Vegas is, you're, you're still going there the night before. You, you know, you still got to work the next day. I think they had, like, different little, you know, appearances for players. So I'm sure it's a little bit different preseason going to Vegas for that than it is now players going to Vegas in the regular season. So, like, I think they have, like, card tournaments, like poker tournaments with the players and stuff like that. But I'm sure that they don't do now with dealing with so you had no fun, is what you're saying? Yeah, so you, yeah. You get on a plane to Germany. Is it, I don't believe you. Is it charter? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was charter. Yeah, it was. So like you. So I don't feel bad. Don't get out of here with your slow start. Yeah. Oh, I had to fly ten hours on a chartered plane. Yeah. Well, usually, so usually we our charter was like just. I mean, it's like a. It's a normal sized plane. I guess it's maybe a little bit smaller than a 747. And you get like, they take the seats out and it's all mm-hmm. front row or first class seats. But then we took a gigantic Delta plane where everybody had, where it was like one of those planes that had like uh, seven seats. So two, three, and two. Like pods. Yeah. So there are pods up front, which all the players got. And then everybody else got their own row of seven seats. So okay. So like qu- quick. <laughs> <laughs> so quick pause so obviously you're flying with the players you you answer my question here yeah Do, yes, before yes. we continue is there anything oh, yeah. going on on that plane that our listeners need to know about that is something what do they need to know what's going on on that plane other than you looking around thinking how the hell am i here on an nhl plane honestly now uh, you'd be surprised how I mean, there's cards going on. I assume. If that, I mean, listen, I, I sat front row, <laughs> so I'm not in the back with the players. I'm I'm sitting up up front with the coaches. And so make something media. up. Make make up a good story. Let's give something here. <laughs> I, I, I bet. I, I mean, to me nowadays, I bet it's all video games going on back to the players with the players. But that's that's they, they get all their their you know playstations. Yeah, because everyone's 22 years old in the league. Oh, I know they're all all a bunch of young guys. So, I bet all the card games are in the the Our high Uno? stakes card games are gone now. I bet it's all now. High stakes Call of Duty stuff like that. 
Um, there's nothing quite like aging yourself on this podcast. Um, yeah. So, so <laughs> you go to Europe, you, so, you guys sort of, you start to bumble, um, start to bumble a little bit, but then in December, there's a change that's made. And you go from a guy who, you know, you, you obviously very much respect and very much laid the groundwork for what became a, a, a dynasty, honestly. Um, and they make the change and they go with, they, they go with Daryl. So what, so describe that period. How was that period for you? Um, it was, it was hard, obviously. I mean, like, so like when I was in Columbus and they made the change from Glant to Hitch, you know, obviously, I mean, I like Glant, and, but I didn't have that relationship with them. I, I wasn't that guy in the coaching staff, right? I was kind of like the part-time coaching staff, you know, guy who kind of hovered in the background. So when I got to LA, you're, you're more, you know, intertwined. You're in, you're in the coaching staff. You're hanging out with them every day. You're, right. you're traveling. You're with part them of it. Exactly. So, you know, obviously every, anytime there's a coaching change, it's tough. And, um, you know, Terry Murray was kind of that first full-time head coach that I worked for. So, you know, it was definitely disappointing um, to see him go. And then, you know, we didn't, it wasn't something where we just, you know, they got rid of Terry and then we um, moved right to Daryl. Daryl didn't come in, I don't think, for like a week. So there was a time period there where John Stevens took over and kind of held the fort. And then Daryl came in about a week Who later. Who you're close with. You're close with John. Oh yeah, John. Yeah, John's definitely. Def- I can say that. Definitely meant, that is a for me. wild, wild list of coaches you got. You got Gallant, Hitch, John Stevens, and then Daryl Sutter. Yeah, and Terry well, Murray. And Terry, and Terry Murray. Murray. Well, yeah. listen, I'm gonna let Ian run here, but uh, when you when you have that coaching change, right? Yeah. We've seen it go both ways. True. Obviously, this goes one way, as we're gonna get to, just like it did in St. Louis two years ago or last year with Mike Yao and, um, and uh, Craig Berube, right? Where, where that yeah. happens. We've seen it go the complete opposite direction. Yeah, Bilesma, I think, was one, wasn't he? Yeah. Or was Sullivan? No. Well, so, it was Sullivan, Sullivan, Sullivan Ian, and Ian Johnston. Went, yeah, Ian, you run from here. Well, look, I mean, sometimes, you know, really good cup contenders, it, sometimes it's a it's matter of getting a jolt. and. Yeah. You know, and maybe – and look, I'm not in the room, so, so what do I know? But, you know, the, the midseason thing for cup contenders, it, it, it isn't a new thing. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say that Lombardi was necessarily um, – you know, it was jumping out of left field with something like that. I mean, the, the Penguins did it. They, they bagged um, Mike Johnson in favor of Mike Sullivan, won back-to-back cups. Sheldon um, Keefe in favor of Mike Babcock won the cup in the <laughs> shortened season. Uh, I doubt it. They're going to lose to Columbus. <laughs> but, but, you know, you, you've mentioned before, you, you mentioned before that, you know, that, that Murray was such a good teacher. And before we jump to Daryl, I want to give you the opportunity a little bit to, to, to sort of give Murray some credit that maybe, maybe the, the guy who gets canned midseason doesn't always get. So you mentioned Terry's a great teacher. What made him such a good teacher? Uh, his communication with the players and, you know, he was um, hard, but, you know, he, 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 I would say he was really, really good with working with young players. And I think all the young players were comfortable with him. They had a lot of respect for him. He was very patient with them. Um, you know, he was, he spent a lot of time um, doing video with them and, and 
you know, a lot of team meetings and stuff like that. So he, he had that teaching mentality that the, you know, right. Build them up through, you know, lots of video and lots of, you know, making sure that they see their shifts. They see the good, they see the bad. So he was sort of like pragmatic. He was exactly. Yeah. He was just sort of not relentless. I don't mean it that way, but he was someone that's like, okay, today I want you to focus on this. He's he's a exactly. He's a stutter. No, we're talking Terry. I know, but I'm just talking about the other way. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, like, and Terry had, I mean, and and I I mean, I don't want to speak for Daryl, but, you know, I I think Daryl would say that, you know, Terry left him a pretty good foundation. So, I mean, you you think of all that that whole group that was there, you know, it wasn't like, you know, the whole bunch, this brand new team comes in and then Terry doesn't have success with them. And then they bring in Daryl. This is a team that Terry you know, helped put together and mold yeah, they would, into you guys what were, they were. It, yeah. But it wasn't exactly. just, it wasn't just Daryl. You guys also brought in Jeff Carter in an absolute steal. Yeah. I say yeah. steal. What kind of, but, jolt but, did I, what kind of, jolt did I it, get yeah, it was for my buddy, Jack Johnson though. So <laughs> oh, that's true. But what kind yeah. of, we're, cause now we're look, getting close. Look, look, you look. guys, you Jack guys, is nice. Jack is a good hockey player. Jeff Carter could be knocking on the door of the hall of fame. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, Jeff, it was it was a good move. <laughs> I say Jeff comes in, and you guys start to roll. People forget is that you guys you guys head into the playoffs as an eight seed, right? Mm-hmm. But at the time, you guys were one of, you guys were one of the hottest hockey teams in the NHL going into it. After the trade deadline, you guys were a legit. Like you guys would have been probably on pace to be third or fourth in the West based on your winning percentage at that time. So it's not just like, well, this this team backed into the playoffs and here we are. Add Carter and it's scary. What uh, you're going into the you're going into the playoffs now. You just add, you know, Mike Richards' buddy and Jeff Carter to this roster. What are you guys feeling going into that first round playoffs? Um, you know, I mean, it was fine through, through that whole season. I, I'm I'm not really sure what the expectations were for us. I mean, I know we we'd been growing and getting better each year. We add Mike Richards, so maybe that was kind of the big splash move that made us made people think that you know we were ready to take that next step. Had to give up um, Simmons though. That's tough. Yeah, had to give that up Simmons. Mean, yeah, you got to give up something good to get something good. So very true. You know, but of course, you know, Mike. And it was, it was. So I, I'm not really sure what, what the expectations were for us. It was definitely an up and down year. Um, you know, we we definitely had to work the second half of the year to get into the playoffs. And then once we got in, we were you know like like you said, we were the eight seed and. We're going up against a, a president's powerful. trophy winning yes. Vancouver Canucks. Yes. Of course, team- Vancouver's shit the bed. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're going, we're going up against Vancouver. We're obviously, we're the underdog. We've got a lot of players on our team who are highly skilled, but not overly experienced in the playoff department. True. Yeah. But um, you beat their ass though. Yeah. I mean, they, but they were, they were a good team, but they, they, don't they be had, political. You you bashed him. Yeah. <laughs> well, and quick started yeah. quick, quick started to get his thing going. Yeah, quick started to get his thing going. Mike Mike Richards was a big part of that whole run. I mean, he's a guy who, you know, you 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 hit the playoffs with Mike Richards and he flips the switch. And, and you know, he's a guy who, you know, his his whole mindset in the playoffs is, you know, you find their best players, you go after and make and it bully, hard on them. Bully yeah, them. So, yeah. You know, you got the twins there, and you make you make things as hard as you can on the Sedin twins. And you know, I think uh, the first game, I can't remember how. If uh, there was a game in Vancouver, I remember 
maybe it was game two. So, so we won the first one, and then the, the second game in Vancouver, um, I think Jared Stoll scored the overtime Yes, winner. he did. Yep. Yeah. So it was that's that second game where it was like, okay, so the first game we win, and we're like, okay, you know, you get one down. Get one. It, it's, it's good because you're on the road, and, you, and that's your goal is to get the one. You plant the seed of doubt. Exactly. And then as the soon as you game, get the two against a Canadian team that just yeah. lost in the finals. PSN is going crazy. Yeah. It's like it's, they're rioting again. Yeah, no, exactly. So, I mean, once we're bringing them back, you know, up to nothing back to L.A., we're definitely feeling pretty good about ourselves. But we know they're, they're a hell of a team. So, you know, we, we better be, be ready to keep it rolling. So I'm going to jump the second round, if you don't mind, Ian, because it's funny because that second round series that you had against St. Louis, which which you swept, was very reminiscent. Their team very much mimics what you guys had when you started there, right? Very young team, um, a lot of talent, inexperience, but a lot of talent. A, a, you know, a young Petrangelo, a young Shattenkirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got Bacchus, Oshie, uh, Chris Stewart was there. A very young team that... Had, that was ready to do some some damage, but you guys walked through that. So I I still remember uh, to, that. to back you up, Sean. To back you up one second. To back you up. When, yeah, of course. And remember, remember, they're building. St. Louis is building something, and then obviously the timeline was a little longer. But St. Louis starts to build something, and then when they know they're close, they pull off their own Mike Richards trade, and they go get Ryan O'Reilly. Exactly. And- wins the con Smythe. It, it fits. It fits a lot of the same narrative. But I still yeah. remember, and I forgot that you played Phoenix in the yes. Western Conference final. Yes. But I still remember cheering so hard for that team. And if I remember correctly, I think Phoenix beat Minnesota in one of the playoff series because it was – anyways, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but you guys you guys get to you guys get against Phoenix um, and you guys win 4-1. Anything from that series that you want to call out before I let Ian take over in the Stanley Cup Finals? From the Phoenix or St. Louis? From Phoenix. Let's skip St. Louis. Okay. So um, from the Phoenix series, you know – um, they were a, a lot harder than I think people gave them credit for. They had a really good team. They had, you know, Jovanovski and Doan kind of made them formidable. Mike Smith had an amazing year in net. Mm-hmm. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah. So, you know, for us, I'm not sure what they had in the first two rounds, but, you know, I think definitely, you know, when we win five games in the first round, four games in the second round, we get a nice little break and then you get a, you know, relatively You're confident. Yeah, you're super confident. I mean, in that St. Louis series, you know, it was kind of the first time, I think, when we got up 2 nothing in after the first two games in St. Louis, and that's kind of the first time when you're like, okay, you know. We got a shot. We just beat Vancouver. Yeah, we just yeah, beat we Vancouver five games, and now we're up 2 nothing on St. Louis. We got – something's going on here. <laughs> you know, we, we definitely have an opportunity here. So, I mean, because, you know, obviously everyone makes the playoffs thinks they got a chance, but, you know, you're, you're realistic. I mean, you're not really – you're kind of thinking game to game, you know, I think after that, that halfway through that St. Louis series is kind of the first time where it kind of trickles in your mind a little bit <laughs> that you're, you might you're have a chance. Good. Yeah. yeah I, that so, you're pretty good. And then, and then you, you try and zap yourself back to thinking game to game. Well, right. And, and I think, and I think as you start to win series after series, you know, it's interesting that you say that, right? It's interesting that you start to believe and you start to, to really get going. And, and obviously, you win five games in the first round, four games in the second round. Clearly, you're cooking, right? Yeah. So what was your edge? What was the reason that by the time you get to Phoenix, I almost called them Arizona, but by the time you get to Phoenix, that you're, so, you're cooking and you're so hot? What's the reason that the run 
became the run? Was there a particular game plan or was it just, was it just, we have a great roster. Our goalie is as hot as a firecracker right now. And we just can't be stopped. I mean, I, I think it's, yeah. I mean, obviously Jonathan quick was amazing that that whole playoff. So, I, you know, you're, you're not winning without a really good goalie. True. But you know, I think, you know, with the style that we played, we're a big team. We like to play with possession. For whatever reason, it took us a while to kind of get in that mo- into that mold. I thought we had a really good makeup through that whole season. Um, and then I think kind of what made things kind of tip the scales a little bit was when you add Jeff Carter, and then now you add another big body down the middle. So now you've got you know, Kopitar, Richard. Yeah, you Carter. were big. That's right. You no, were. They were, ma- they were massive. That, that's what scared get, the hell out yeah. of uh, Vancouver. Yeah, and then you get, you know, you get, so, so now up the middle. So now, you know, if you're solid down up, up the middle, then you're in pretty good shape. Right. So Jeff Jeff Carter definitely solidified that because now we had four really high-end centermen with, you know, Kopitar, Carter, Richards, Jarrett Stoll. And, and three of those that were incredible in their own end with Kopitar, yeah. Richards, and Stoll. Exactly. And then, I mean, and then you've got a good mix of young and older defensemen who, you know, veterans, super defensive veterans. And then you got some young and your horse Dowdy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's like Slava Voinov was amazing that, that whole season. He was was a really good young player. (laughs) So you just, yeah, he he actually was, he actually was. was. I know there's some some shit that goes on. Everything that happened, happened to him. I don't feel bad. Um, So, so you make the finals. Right, so your roster you feel has come together, quick's hot, and you feel like you started to play with possession. So you, you get to the finals. Sorry, Phoenix, seen a bit. And you get the Devils. And the Devils were sort of an odd opponent to begin with because they were they sort of made their own little weird run. Yeah, yeah I can't the, remember. The did Kovalchuk. They beat, that was the Kovalchuk yeah. team. Yeah, that was the Kovalchuk team. And, and did they – I can't remember if they beat Rangers. They, beat the they Rangers. did beat the Rangers in the Eastern yeah. Conference Finals. Yep. Yeah. So I think Rangers kind of were supposed to be the best. They team, were. Yep. They were. So you know, for for myself, was that a six game six game series or seven game series? Uh, they yeah. went six there. The Rangers beat out Washington in the first round in seven, but they went six against the Devils. One of uh, one a little knock in Lundqvist's cap there with that one, but yeah, yeah, that, so that's the, the one. But you're still was, looking. You're still looking across the ice at Martin Brodeur at that point. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's funny. Like that's that's one of those things where, as a video coach, you so like each series you're kind of pr- preparing this massive um, scouting report where it's you know you're putting booklets together mm-hmm. of here's my what their lineup is. Yeah. They have Martin Brodeur. There's my exactly. <laughs> but it was funny because like we again we're we're finishing series so quickly that you know we have a week in between. And we're finishing before we know who our opponent is. So as the video coach, I'm kind of sitting there. Okay, we're either going to play Rangers or Devils. So I, I've probably put maybe 75% of all my time into preparing wow. for the Rangers. Right. And then the Devils come back, and they, or the Devils beat them in six. So now i got to flip everything to the Devils. But, I mean, Devils, they were well coached. They, you know, I think Peter DeBoer is their coach. DeBoer, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so you mentioned booklets. You mentioned booklets, okay? So two questions. Number one, of that entire playoff run – regular season, everything, who was the biggest booklet that you had to make? What was the biggest preparation you made? And when, and then when you got to the finals, was the biggest booklet you made Kovalchuk? Because people forget that that dude was still so good. He was, or was stupid it, in those playoffs too. Stupid, stupid in those playoffs. Or was it someone like Brodeur? 
the biggest booklet, I mean, I, you, you try and keep it consistent. So, you know, you don't want to, um, Hand someone war and peace. Yeah. 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 You don't want to, you don't want to bombard the players with too much information. So, you know, the, I would say the information each series was always consistent. There's always the same things. You do a lot of, uh, you know, there's, you definitely do a lot of focusing on their best players. So, I mean, obviously Kovalchuk was their best player. Exact, I think the exact Parisi. Yep. Um, you know, and then obviously do a lot of work on Martin Brodeur. God, I forgot about Parise. Yeah, yeah. he's so good. Yeah, so I mean, and they were a team where they were more, you're almost more worried about their structure than you are about their individuals. True. So, you know, you, you That's spend a lot of, That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, so you're, you're definitely, you know, you're more focused on, you know, how you beat, beat them through the neutral zone and, and stuff like that than you are about, you know, shutting down individual players because you know i i wasn't i mean obviously you want to be you want your best players to be better than their best players that's that's a given but you know i i thought that in terms of total talent we could take them but you you got to be able to with the new jersey and that was they were still a really good defensive team that at that time so you got to figure out how you're going to get through them through the neutral zone get possession in their end and then keep possession in their end paper be, paper is different than reality ryan you know exactly that. and then and at the end of the day you got to beat broder so <laughs> so you spoiler alert you win yeah where are you is it games you win in game six you pump them right so are yeah. were you on the road or at home was, you're on the road we right? were at, we were at home oh well yeah i guess six. you're eight seed yeah you so you're yeah. at home so walk us through you win the confetti's dropping yeah. What does that look like? Are you then, all right, coaching staff, let's go down to the ice. Is it, let's crack open some crown Royal. Like what's going on? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, this just kind of backtracking the, the series itself was kind of interesting because we, I mean, obviously New Jersey and LA is a long ways away and you know, we're Very going, true. yeah. So we're New Jersey is not the easiest place to get in and out of for, as a visiting team. Um, so, you know, we're staying a ways away from the, from Prudential Center. You, you know, if you've ever been to Newark, you don't want mm-hmm. to stray too far away from Prudential Center. No, and, I'd uh, like to stay in the building if possible. Yeah. So, but in, so you know, when we start the series, um, we, I believe we split, I think. Did we split the first two? I think you split oh, the no, first no. two. Yeah. So, I mean, but, but what it was, was we want, we split, Split, no, no, no. We 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 won them both, and then we won third. We got up three nothing. And Did they won. The, and then they won the next. I'm pulling it up right they now. Won the buddy. Next I'm pulling two. it up yeah. right now. They won the next two because what happened was so like everybody, including myself, we had family come in for game four. Because yeah, you come won the first on! Yeah, yeah, you won the first three. You lost three yeah. one at home in game so we, four. So yeah. everybody had family coming in for game four, and yeah. you're like, okay, let's get this done here, in game four, because you because you want to win at home. You want to win, you know, experience with family and everything there. And then, oh no, yeah, and then plus, you don't want to get back on a plane. You jinxed it. So, so then we lose game four. We got to fly all the way back to Newark. We lose game game five, five. two one. You won the first two in overtime, Ryan. Won the first two in overtime, yeah, on the road. Qatar scored one of the overtime, and then you won game three, four nothing. You lose game five, two one. You got to fly all the way back home and scene. Exactly. So then, so then you, so then we fly all the way back home. We we get into game six, and, and a lot of people don't remember this. In game six, 
So like you're you're getting like so like you win the first three, you lose the second two, you're getting okay. Now you you got to tight. Get nervous. You're getting tight. Getting getting tight for sure. Yeah. So early in the first game, Rob Scuderi, really really good defensive force. Yeah. Super steady. Big like a huge part of of our back end. He gets absolutely run from behind, and he he's down. He's bleeding everywhere. We get a five minute major power play. Who run? Who ran him? I can't remember who ran him. I don't remember who got the five-minute major. But it was – so we had a five-minute major um, power play. We scored three times on the on the five-minute major. So we get up 3 nothing, And then from there, it was just – we held the 3 nothing lead. And But it was a – Rob Scuderi getting all those stitches it was a big part of us winning in that game six. But you, Steve Bernier, does that ring a bell? Steve, yeah, Steve Bernier, that does, yeah. Yeah, but what, about, okay, what, so. about, what about Jonathan Bernier, Ryan? Jonathan Vernier, yeah, he was he was there. He's back up. <laughs> YouTube knows all. Um, so okay, so obviously after, see, it's funny, you know, like the Kings, the Kings feel like they get into these series, and you know, you know, they get in these series where the result says they won four one, four nothing, four two, whatever. But there's but always the series- a narrative. No, there's no, no, but the series is always so tight. Right. Right. And it's very close in that devil series, as you just described. Yeah. You go back to LA, you know, you, you obviously get the five minute major, it changes everything for the, for, for the team. You end up winning 6 1 in a stomping. Yeah. Right. So you win. First of all, what did you do when the buzzer sounded? Um, I think I finished my job, <laughs> so I pressed. So you finished I, clipping. I finished clipping, so I. I, I what to, are you clipping for? The season's over. Well, oh my god, Mike Richards has to cut. So I think. I, <laughs> so I think I finished. I finished my job. I turned it. I, I pressed. You know, I turned out off the the like I finalized the clipping, and then I went out on the ice and celebrated. You know, we go out there and at first it's just staff and players, and then you know obviously family comes down a little bit afterwards. So you who, always, who, who hands yeah, you the yeah, cup? Right. Who handed me the cup? I think it was Bill Ramford, maybe. Okay. It, 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 you know, I mean, being a video coach, it's, it's got to make its way through the players and make its way through the coaching staff. Yeah, and I'm not that, expecting I, that. You know that. Yeah. Mike oh, next, or Drew yeah. Doughty's going to be like, yeah. "Where's Coach Colville?" No, always, yeah. always say Drew Doughty in that answer, Ryan. Always I say. Should have gone Drew over Dustin Brown and try to get it. That's second. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so was it? Heavier than you expected? Because every, every time you hear players, it's just like, because it is heavy, but their yeah. adrenaline is so high. You're a coach. Obviously, your adrenaline's higher than a human being watching on TV. But were you like, oh, shit, I may drop this? I know what the weirdest thing is. It's, I'm not really sure if it's heavier, but the weight distribution is kind of weird. So it's like heavier yeah, it's on bottom heavy, heavy, right? Yeah. yeah so it, that, that kind of throws you off a little bit. Um. But, you know, obviously at that point, you're just, <laughs> you'll lift it. So it's, so it goes, it goes over your head pretty easily. <laughs> so, okay. So after you win, the celebration's on. I know for a fact that you drank beverages from that cup. My question, because I, I physically watched you. My yeah. question is, how many different beverages did you drink from that cup? Um, man, from the time, from the night we won it, until my day with it, I would mm-hmm. say, man, I mean, obviously, mostly it's beer. I think right. maybe there's a little bit of 
whiskey or bourbon or something. I, I, I don't think there's a lot of different types of beer probably. And a lot of, <laughs> a lot of beer that just got mixed in, but you know, that it was there. Yeah. There's lots of different types of drinks. Nothing like a beer blend, baby. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, champagne for sure. Champagne. Like after the, after you win and you go into play, like, into the locker room and everything, you're just getting drenched in champagne. I got, did you, did you go to the of, club? Did you go to the club with the guys? No, I did not go to the club. They, so they, well, we did. So like after we won, immediately after we, we, that we won, there's a club in Staples Center. So you all, like we all, everybody went up there and there's a big like Stanley Cup cakes and stuff like that. And just a massive party with like celebrities and players. and. Oh, oh, that's good. That's good. Who's the most notable celebrity that you noticed? Because Will Ferrell's I, a huge Kings fan, right? He's a, yeah, he's a big Kings fan. He, I, I don't, he was around. For the Stanley Cup, um, who would have been the most notable? Like Matthew Perry was there. I think I saw him. Chandler. Vince, Chandler. Yeah. Vince Vaughn was around a lot, but I'm not sure. But he's, he's a Blackhawks fan. Yeah, he's around for a lot of Blackhawks games. He yeah. is. So you won the cup. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Your That's... name is on that forever. You have a ring. That is so badass. Yeah. <laughs> So I, 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 go ahead, go ahead, Ryan, go ahead. No, you're on the yeah. cup. Oh yeah. And then obviously your day with the cup's fun and you know, you. Yeah. I, we had a good time. Okay. Yeah, it was good. You know, thanks, it's, it's, it's thanks for the invite, certain... man. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm not sure I knew you, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely such a weird experience. Cause like you just, the, the cup shows up and then, you know, obviously you've got, people coming over and but the, the i thought the funniest thing was i don't know where it was the night before the stanley cup but the first thing they do when they get in when they the guy brings the stanley cup in it wasn't the main guy you see so they got I think there's like three different guys that that deal with the stanley cup like the they're like the show the transport white haired bellow that we see all the time what's his name yeah he, he, did not, he didn't come to my place yeah so the, the mm-hmm. but the first thing he did was he, he brings us he brings the stanley cup he goes all the way around in my backyard. <clears throat> he asks for dishwashing liquid. He douses it dishwashing liquid. He just hoses it down. <laughs> so I don't know where it was the night before, but. So, okay. So were, did you get to enjoy that? Because I was there with you, but I, it was so light. I don't, I don't remember. But, you know, I think I was 20 at the time. Yeah. Were you nervous the whole time? Because you're like, which one of my moron friends is going to break it? Or did you just enjoy the whole experience? Well, yeah, I mean. I'm trying to. Th- I think one of the rules was I th- only I was allowed to lift over my head. I think that was that. The, well, I think that, I'm pretty sure that was a rule. But I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're nervous and like you're you're. It's anxious. You're, not, you're anxious. Yeah, yeah, you're anxious. Of course. It's it's a uh, yeah. I mean, but it was a, it was a ton of fun. I mean, I think we had a thunderstorm roll by, and the you guy did. told me the guy told me we had to bring it inside because he didn't want to get hit by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> so we're past the hour mark, Ryan. I'm yep. not. Cu- I'm not cutting you short at all because this has been fantastic. But I, w- I want to give you a few minutes on on your next steps because you didn't stay with the Kings. You yep. ended up moving on to a, a new experience, and I, I want you to explain first and foremost why and what the, and why basically why you made that transition and what that trend transition came to be. Yeah. So you know, obviously, when you're when you're working in video and you're a video coach for me that was the best place to learn the game so i mean i i grew up i played and you, and you think you know 
you know, hockey, but you don't know hockey intimately to where you can, you know, coach it and develop game plans and, and diagnose teach, diagnose, you know, make, make adjustments in game and, you know, teach players how to, you know, how to do it. So, you know, doing video for me was awesome because I spent every day, all day, just sitting there watching it. You know, I'd be breaking down video or I'd be, you know, watching the coaches break down video. So, you know, it was a great experience. I did it for eight years or whatever it was combined between Columbus and LA. But at some point, you know, as a young coach, you want to move on and you want to be work your way onto a bench. You so know, that was the goal to go to get onto a bench. Transition. Exactly. Just, just, just move up. You know, you want to move up and, you know, you know, maybe you eventually, you know, get to the, on a bench in the NHL or, or wherever it might be. But, you know, for, for me, I, I knew going in that video was definitely a stepping stone. It wasn't, you know, the end was the end end goal for me. So, you know, after about eight years and it was, you know, I, I kind of felt like it was time for me to take everything I learned and apply it and, try and get on the bench, but, you know, coaching in hockey is, it's, it's working your way up is hard. So, you know, when I left LA, um, you know, you have to prepare yourself to not make a lot of money, go to some tiny town in minor pro or, or, you know, junior, <laughs> but at the time I was, I was thinking about minor pro. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of money to be had when I was working in LA, expensive city, don't have a lot of savings. So I, what I ended up doing was I left LA. I went to Cincinnati where my family's from. Um, you know, and I kind of got a little bit of experience there. I, I worked in a little small junior league, um, as a, you know, we, we had it, we owned a team. So we had, I was the coach GM, the NA3HL, correct? Yeah, the NA3HL, mm -hmm. small little league. Um, potentially the hardest job I've had. So did, did you like the extra responsibility then? Because you just said owner, coach, GM, everything. Did you like that extra opportunity? You know, things like, you know, as owner, you're probably doing things like hunting for sponsors. As GM, you're building the roster. And as a coach, you're coaching the freaking team. So did you like the extra responsibility? Because... I personally, it lower, like not lower, but like smaller grassrootsy type hockey leagues fascinate the hell out of me. So obviously that's a big change from the NHL. Was there any part of that where, where it was super weird? Did they have like any weird caveats in that league? You're like, that's crazy that that's a thing. Well, I mean, it was pay to play. So it was, it was hard to recruit. I mean, there's so many teams at that level. There were way too many teams that league you know, I mean, it was the league was okay, but you know, it wasn't the top level of junior in the U.S. Obviously, USHLs where guys want to play. North American leagues, kind of the next, the next level down. So, you know, that that level was kind of what was needed in Cincinnati. I'm not sure if uh, another a higher level would have worked in Cincinnati. It was not not a very big hockey town, mm -hmm. especially. You know, there's not a lot of local players, so you know, it was just kind of a league that that worked for Cincinnati at the time. Um, you know, and for me, it was just, I mean, it was good experience. It was, you did, I mean, I did everything. I, I right. travel and, you know, found scouted players and 
recruited players. Specifically that you took away from that experience that allowed you to sort of, that molded you for what you, what happened next? I think the biggest thing is just like adapt, the ability to adapt to changes. I mean, there's, when you, when you're dealing with so much at that, at that level, and there's so many things you got to worry about, you got to be good at um, prioritizing just adapting, adapting to what's going on around you. So after your four years of um, all the extra responsibility and sort of taking on um, new challenges and doing everything, um, you decided that it was time for a change and you wanted to stay behind the bench, but sort of get into, you know, a, a more high profile league. When you did that, was what was that process like? Were you looking at the WHL specifically? Were you... Uh, were you just open for anything? What, what sort of offers were out there? I mean, I I was kind of open for anything. You know, I was after leaving L.A., going to Cincinnati. I kind of you know was able to get my feet wet doing some camps and clinics and stuff there, um, building a little bit of a life in Cincinnati um, where I could, um, you know where I felt like I was ready to move on after that. I felt like I was ready to move on to the next challenge in, in, you know, like I said, Cincinnati was, it was a good experience. I got to do a lot of different things. Um, it gave me kind of that first, you know, role in coaching on a bench, mm-hmm. which was important. Um, I think I gained a lot of confidence from everything that I did there. Um, so I was, I was ready and I was, I was ready to move on to a higher level um, and, you know, Red Deer was, you know, something that I'm, I I sent my resume to them. Obviously, there's the connection there between Daryl and Brent. Right. So, but that wasn't, you know, I, I sent my resume to Red Deer and then they um, contacted me and that's kind of how I ended up in Red Deer. All so, things, all, all those, all things being equal. Yep. We're going to have a season. Let's just say so. Tell me about your team. About the, about the Rebels? Yes. You know, I th- you know we're a good young team. You know, I think we got we're gonna have a lot of returners. I think this is a year where, you know, you need to. Uh, um, this is gonna be a year where teams that have a lot of returners is it's gonna be very important. So you know, I think for us, you know, kind of having going into my third year, we've got a lot of our core still together and everybody's kind of growing together and they're getting older together. So, you know, we kind of got that core group that's going to be, you know, I think it's, it's, we're in a really good spot to take a big step forward next year. I think that's the expectation. It should be the expectation. So you sort of went from Sutter to your own boss to Sutter. Yeah. Can you talk about any stylistic differences between the two do, do you see a lot of one in the other between daryl and brent yeah i mean they're obviously different they're different people um they're both demanding they expect you to do your job and do it well but you know if and if you do that then you're treated like family and that that goes for both of them i mean they're both you know they're obviously they're demanding in different ways. And in, in the other thing too, is there's different levels. So, right. you know, ju- junior players and pro players are different types of players. So 
but you know, I mean, I've been incredibly happy working with Brent. He's, you know, been, you know, kind of my first, um, the first head coach I've worked with on a bench and I've learned an incredible amount from him, which, you know, to me, it's kind of the, Brent would probably be the one where I've learned the most from just based on proximity and being proximity and just being more, um, intimately around them. Right. So like I, I'm, I'm giving suggestions and he's accepting them or not, or he's, you know, changing my suggestions or, you know, it's, it's just, I, I'm so much more into that part of it as a, as an assistant coach with Red Deer than I was in video, but you know, that's where, you know, you learn, you know, I just, I feel like I've learned, um, you know, the equivalent of eight years in video, I think I've learned in two years in Red Deer. So before we, before we jump to the last part of our podcast, where we're going to hit you with some quick hitters, um, you know, put you on the spot a little bit. I, I did, I did sort of quickly want to run through with everybody, um, sort of your coaching tree. And the only reason I want to go back to that is because how epic of a tree it is. Just to name a few, we have Terry Murray, Ken Hitchcock, Gerard Gallant, John Stevens, Daryl, and Brent Sutter. How did those coaches mold your current coaching style? Do you find yourself developing your style after one particular guy, or do you try to take pieces from each? Do you see what you do you know, does, does, do your actions on the bench come out and you're like, wow, that was a lot like X guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's definitely something where you, you, re, you do something and then you, you react to, okay, that's, that's, you know, something I saw that, you know, Hitch did or something, something like that. Right. So right. It's, it, it, you, you take some, you, you pick up things as, as you go, you know, I mean, you're not trying to copy anybody because, you know, you got to make sure that you be yourself. But especially as a young coach through all those years, I mean, I'm, I'm picking up things all the time. So, you know, there's, you're look, you're watching their demeanor, you're watching how they interact with each other, with players, and you're just soaking it all up. And then you're, you know, so much of coaching is, you know, I mean, everybody thinks the, the X's and O's are important, but, mm-hmm. and they are, I mean, you got to make sure you know what you're talking about with the X's and O's and you gotta be able to make decisions and, make adjustments and stuff like that. But people skills are way ahead. I mean, those are the most important things. And, you know, you, you, you know, pick up things from everybody that you work with. The Phil Jackson mentality. Is there a coach that you worked with that you liken yourself to the most? From a demeanor standpoint, I'd probably say John Stevens. I I think, I think, He's doing, he, he's doing all right. Yeah. I'd yeah. Say it's a pretty good one. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just think I'm, you know, I, I feel like I'm a lot like him in terms of your personality. So, you know, I think he's definitely somebody that, um, I would consider myself to be very similar in terms of coaching style. Good. So, so you're clearly building something in your young career. And after this, you can be done talking about hockey and you can go back to, you know, quarantine life. But if you, you're obviously pushing towards being on your own bench. All right. And if that were, if, and when that happens and you get your main gig somewhere, do you have any thoughts on how you'd structure your staff? Because you've talked to me about before how you like to, how a staff needs balance and they need balance between 
X type of coach, X type of coach. If you were to, if you were to build your staff, do you feel like you'd have a fit with certain types of coaches? And if you were to build your main staff, what types of guys would be on it? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, for me, I think the biggest thing, I mean, if there's other young coaches out there, (laughs) but you know, you you don't want to jump the gun. So, I mean, my, my mentality was always, you, you stay where you are as long as there's still something to learn. So, you know, I've still got lots to learn. So, you know, I think that, you know, this is the, you know, in Red Deer, this is the place for me in terms of short term and definitely, you know, Mm -hmm. the foreseeable future, because I, I'm picking up so much because I mean, I'd rather be, I'd rather be overqualified for my next job than underqualified. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the mentality. So, you know, the, in terms of putting together a coaching staff, I think it's super important that you get people who are smart and Mm -hmm. you get people who are different from you because, you know, you don't want to, you know, pick coaches or, or be around coaches that are the same as you. You want people that, you know, offer different things and are better than you in certain areas. So, you know, it's definitely important to, um, you know, put together pretty diverse staff. Yeah, that was, that was really, that was a really political answer there, Ryan. That was really political. Okay. Uh, you could, yeah. you could have just said, I'll, I'll take Scotty Bowman and the rest of them can all go, go to hell. Um, yeah. So before we get to quick hitters really quickly, 30 seconds, Ryan, we had our previous guests say that skyline chili was literally spaghetti yeah, with garbage on top of it. What do you say in response? And that was oh, a quick trip was, to the toilet. So I, I need a bottle. Yeah, I heard that. And that is so wrong. I mean, you, it is, it's, spaghetti with amazing chili and a pile of cheese on it and you can get it and you can even get it on a hot dog with they're called cheese conies and it is it is amazing you can't knock it till you've tried it and maybe maybe it is a uh it's an acquired taste acquired taste is a good yeah maybe it is acquired taste but yeah i I have you've acquired it you've acquired the taste so in the summers i go when i'm you know it's in cincinnati in the summers I'll pick up just cans in the summer. Chili. Hold on. Yes. You have spaghetti with chili on it in the summer. Have you lost your mind? I all year round. But oh what I do, God. but what I do is, you know, obviously I live in Red Deer in the winters. So when I'm in Cincinnati in the summer, well, yeah, that makes sense. I buy cans and cans and cans of it. So my, I got one cover. This it's just probably got about, I don't know, 15 cans of Skyline jelly. Well, we're off to we're off to quick hitters. Good luck with your chili. Yeah, I'm, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know if I could get on board with that. So I yeah. so I let me get started with quick hitters, and I'm going to start with something that we started our previous guest with. Yes, because I want the right answer to this. Well, you are you yeah. going to give him the rules first? I know he's listened. So basically, with quick hitters is we're going to give you ten, and you need to answer. It's it's answer Rapid. or pass. Okay. Quick, quick answer as fast as you can, but it's answer or pass. If okay. you're uncomfortable with the question, you can pass. Sounds good. Ready? Yeah. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Did Carol Baskin kill her husband? Yes. Absolutely. Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson? Lamar Jackson. <laughs> wow. Chips or candy? Oh, man. Uh, pass. 
Wow. Whoa, guy whoa, eats, whoa, whoa. Guy no, no, eats no, no, buckets no. of Skyline chili. But no, no, no. Chips and no, candy. No, no. You, that's not for you me. You have to answer. Yeah. You have to answer. And, well, I mean, like candy can be so different. So I'm going to go with chips. Can, can, it could be, you know, candy bars or. You can take the best of the best of both. Like, you <laughs> is, any candy. Like is that what you're saying? Is any candy? Any, whatever you want, man. It's chips or candy. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go candy then. Here. Okay, so we went from we went from pass to chips to candy. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your least favorite, and I think I know the answer. Your least favorite non hockey athlete. Least favorite non hockey athlete, Baker Mayfield. I knew it. <laughs> Yo, Cincinnati or Columbus? Oh, I, I love Columbus, but Cincinnati. Uh, burgers or wings? Burgers. Did you see our previous podcast on our NHL teams? All-time NHL teams. Yes. Sean or Ian's all-time team. Um, I they, I'd have to look at them again. I I would say the answer is Sean. And the Sean? team with Wayne Gretzky on it would be my guess. The team with Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> well, who who what who who had which goalies? I had Hasek and Wah. Hasek Wah. That's pretty good. Yeah, but you can only play one. No, that's I, not. We keep getting that. Okay. Anyways. No, I want to address this. No, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. No. I'm addressing this. All those people that are commenting on our Instagram page that Sean wins because of goaltending. There's only one net. He that's, can't play one passing together as some mutant Siamese. No, that's not, that's not the way it works. It's about the entire roster. You have both. It's not Get about you're not going against each other. This isn't basketball. I win. Next, Ian. Bengals Super Bowl champion. <laughs> or Ohio State national title? Wow. You put me on the spot here. I would have to go Bengals Super Bowl champion. Yeah, because it'll because never happen. Because it'll never happen. Exactly. Because I, I've seen Ohio State win the national championship. I've okay, th- this, is, this is quick Bowl. hitters, Ryan, please. Thank yep. you. Uh, <laughs> final one. Would you come on the, po- on the podcast again? Of course. Perfect. <laughs> Ryan. Thank you so much for coming on, everyone. This has been another edition of the From the Sands podcast, this time with Ryan Coville, Stanley Cup champion, and as always, my brother, Ian. Ian, sign us off. It was a pleasure having you, Ryan. We hope, uh, we hope that hockey gets back up and running soon once it's safe, and we look forward to watching you continue to grow in your coaching career, and we're cheering for the Rebels this year. And as a reminder to everyone, wear your mask. Thanks, guys.